Hey everyone, I'm Andrew, and you're listening to Small Efforts, a collaboration between Crit and Miss Grants. And hi, I'm Sean. Small Efforts is a show where we talk about cybersecurity, design, and the continuous small efforts it takes to build a business. Hey man, how's it going? Hey Sean, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. I heard someone added a member to their family uh, last week. <laughs> yeah, so we got a cat for our cat. That's right. You are not pregnant. You have an extra pet. What do you mean by you got a cat for your cat? <laughs> so my friend Mike Murray, who uh, is mm-hmm. the CEO of Scope, when I first told him we were getting a cat, he was like, watch out because we got a cat and then our cat got lonely. And so we got a cat for our cat. And I was like, oh, man, I think we're just good for with one for the time being. And sure enough, like three months into owning our cat Po'boy, Po'boy started getting lonely. He seemed like he was pretty bored during the day, seemed a little sad. So we are currently fostering a kitten. So we officially got a cat for our cat. Gotcha. We have not officially named her yet. She came with the name Cindy. The girl who was fostering her before us called her Ellie. Maddie doesn't like the name Ellie. She wanted to name her Winifred and call her Winnie. But we don't feel like she seems like a Winnie. So Maddie's top names right now are Georgia and Faye. And meanwhile, I have taken to calling the cat Danger. Mm, Why Danger? (laughs) Because she is the least dangerous thing I have ever seen. (laughs) She is just this sweet little kitten. And I I find it funny to call her Danger. Okay, gotcha. Okay, I was kind of expecting like, I don't know, like gumbo or something because <laughs> a po' boy. I also just found out what a po' boy was the other day when I was in Southern California. But yeah, they're delicious. What kind of po' boy did you have? Oh, I didn't get a po' boy. Actually, I got alligator gumbo, Ooh. which was also really good. Oh, and soft shell crab. I sent you a picture. The remember? picture of the soft shell so crab looks so amazing. Yeah. I've never actually had, I think I've had a soft shell crab sandwich maybe, but I don't think I've ever had soft shell crab just by itself. Gotcha. And I need to fix that at some point. Yeah. I have a new favorite food. Soft shell crab? No. Soft shell crab. It doesn't matter how, like you just, I had it in sushi. I had it in by itself. I just soft shell crab. It's the best thing in the world. It's so good. I would name my security startup after it (laughs) (laughs) because you have a, because you have a theory I hear. Yeah, so I was, just, companies. I was just noticing today that a lot of our favorite security companies, certainly not all of them, but a lot of them seem to have S names. And okay. I was curious if you have also noticed this or if it was just pure coincidence. So Shodan, one of the mm-hmm. biggest, most popular, mm-hmm. a couple of smaller companies who we have done some work with or talked to, Spur Intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Those guys are really cool. Sublime Security. Scope security, uh-huh. Sentinel IPS, <laughs> like genuinely half of our security mm-hmm. clients have yeah. an S name. Scythe, Scythe, your old people, my old homies, I yeah. miss them. Yeah, Softshell, my new security <laughs> startup. <laughs> have you noticed um, this? Like, am I am I crazy? Am I just plucking, cherry picking names, or is this a thing? I think it's a funny security trails. Well, that one, I guess yeah, it has security yeah. in the name. So, yeah, I would genuinely be curious to like, so we've been working on mm-hmm. a little bit of research, analyze, like compiling yeah. a big list of security companies and doing some like yeah. just super simple analysis on their homepage, like 
do they have pricing mm-hmm. available? If so, what's the pricing? Mm-hmm. How much funding have they raised? Just putting this information together in a spreadsheet. So once I have that spreadsheet, I bet I could write a formula to just yeah, tally yeah, up the percentage yeah. of S names yeah. <laughs> and come up with the percentage. Okay, so I want to point out that it is like a weird coincidence that your clientele <laughs> all have so many S names. I feel like that's a crit thing. <laughs> and maybe that's like a good, weird <laughs> target market to go after. <laughs> Even more niche. We don't just work with security companies. We only work with security companies <laughs> whose name starts with S. Yeah. Sorry, Great Noise. We're piecing out of here. Yeah, yeah. What are the big publicly traded security companies? There's like Rapid7, like, yeah, Splunk. Fortinet. Okay, okay. Now you're cherry picking. This is cherry. Yeah, yeah. That's just confirmation bias right there. No, there's Fortinet, Datadog, Sumo Logic. Okay. Ah, Maybe what was there's that? There's a what lot of that? Umo Logic. Um, <laughs> yeah, Rapid7. I don't know. There's only like 26, actually. Really? Yeah, yeah. There's not a lot. There, there's probably more than 26. There's probably, but I think that's like 30 is like the number. I know this because I try to make like a stock screener that was just all security companies. And there's not enough time in my day to do that stuff, this type of stuff. But I do own now a side project domain. Like it's only like my 10th side project domain, right? So eventually <laughs> I get to it. Isn't there, yeah, yeah. there's like that new, is it public? The new trading, it might not be public. It might be a different one. But there's a new trading app and their core feature is the ability to essentially create lists of stocks that you're bullish on and then share them with people. So almost like creating little micro ETFs. Uh, And I don't remember what the name is. I don't think it's public. I think public Mm -hmm. is just a more standard investment app. I think public's marketing campaign was to like show insider trades more. I think that was, I don't know if that's public or another. I've gotten a, a lot so of insider trades. Of, you mean illegal trades? No, no, no. It's basically you. So when you're part of leadership at a company, you have to report when you sell off or buy a bunch. That's mm. public information. You can find that on most like stock screeners, but it's not, there's no app built around that, right? I thought and you were saying like a, they were like trying to show insider trading, yeah. like promote insider trading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no. I don't actually think it's a very good indicator. Okay, this is going to be my finance brain because like there are rules with like when CEOs get to buy and sell different things so that it Mm -hmm. doesn't fall in line with real illegal insider trading. I think it's a 90 day time frame. And because that I believe is like the amount of time where the stock price isn't affected anymore. So I don't know. Anyway, yeah, it's just another one of those like apps that democratize access to information I don't know. To me, it's a little gimmicky, but whatever. Yeah. That is users. It's larger than any company I've ever built. So I saw a lot of people switching to them from Robinhood when everyone gotcha. got pissed off about how Robinhood handled the yeah. like GameStop stuff. Yeah. But then I think public has kind of a similar model to Robinhood. Yeah. I'm I'm talking out my ass. We need to <laughs> switch to a different yeah, yeah. topic because I, I yeah. have no idea what I'm talking about here. Yeah, I used to my first internship was in finance. So yeah. I'll read you a 10K and and we'll <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So what's going on with you this week? Just busy. Just running out of time in my day to work on cool side projects like securitysecurities.com <laughs> is the domain name. Is that the actual domain name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just security <laughs> securities. It was cool. I don't know. It made sense at the time. And then I thought about what it would take to build a stock screener and I gave up very quickly. And now I pay eight bucks a year. I like the S's in the name. Reminder. 
Yeah, I know. I know. Soft shell, security securities, Sean Sun. There's a little bit of a narcissistic tendency there. Can't spell miscreants without S E A N, just saying whatever. <laughs> no, just just busy. I think we are looking for I think we talked about this a long time ago, but I don't know if a podcast is the best place to hire anyway. But we are definitely looking to hire a full time project manager. Uh, at this point, because I do not have enough time in my day, and we are picking up way more projects than we are Great. we have time for. Hiring a project manager, by the way, so hard to yeah, yeah. do well, but so important. It's like probably the most important role in an agency. Yeah, yeah, really, really critical. Yeah. So interestingly, I was reading a book or skimming a book at a bookstore. My favorite bookstore in New York City. It's a Japanese bookstore called Kino Kuniya. Kin- I don't know. I just call it Kino. But anyway, it's about it was about creative businesses. It's written by an agency, advertising agency called Rethink. And I just happened to land on the page where they call their resource manager management team slash project management team traffic because that person's job is to be basically a air traffic controller mm-hmm. where there's a bunch of like planes flying in and out because those are like client projects and then you have a person called traffic so i'm trying to find my traffic at this point i love that because it is taking a lot of time out of my day and yeah it is hard to find someone who like is that good at it so i would recommend bureau of digital i've shouted them mm-hmm. out before i've been a mm-hmm. member of their slack group for a little while now their job board might be free to post on or it might only be oh. available to post on if you are a member, but I would recommend them. And really, the membership is it's five hundred bucks a year, which is okay. not insignificant, but to me, so far, has been worth it. Mm-hmm. A lot of agency owners with a lot of insight, and in particular, it seems like the group is largely made up of agency owners, and then sort of operations, project management, resourcing people. Those seem gotcha. to be the two biggest groups in the in their community. Gotcha. So it might be a good place to source people. And we also, I think we got a lot of candidates from Remote Woman because I think they had a bunch of good like sort of sections for non-engineering roles on Mm -hmm. their site. And then I'm sure we got some from like the big places like we work remotely and stuff. Cool. Nice. Okay. 500, I mean, 500 a year is not too bad. It's less than LinkedIn Salesforce Navigator a year Mm -hmm. that I accidentally purchased because I forgot my trial ran out and now I am out $875. And maybe that's why I keep pushing outbound. So yeah, I think we're paying for some version of that, even though we do no outbound sales at the moment, but yeah, it was not a good idea. If I had like a project manager, maybe they could have stopped me from spending <laughs> 800 bucks. No, that's helpful. So what are you looking for in a project manager? I think I am still formulating that. I think I would love to kind of hear what the responsibilities are for Kritz, mm-hmm. who I'm forgetting the name of. Bina. Bina, Bina, yeah. thank you. Shout out Bina. Shout out Bina. Yeah, I would love to kind of hear how, I don't know, I think... Like, I don't know, this is why I go back to this word like traffic, right? Because I don't know if project manager is the right term for it. Because I think there's like resource planning that goes into it. And that might not be necessarily like a project manager's job specifically. I would stick with project manager as the title because it's the most common title. And so it'll be the thing that the most people identify with. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But something along the lines of like producer slash project manager is and the responsibilities there. But I don't know what the scope is yet. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the big things that we've learned about project management in the last year is for a long time and still to this day, we lumped project management and account management together. Mm-hmm. And they're really 
two kind of competing skills, competing like interests almost, we have started to see it as the project manager, their role is to protect the team and the team's time and to make sure things are moving as efficiently as possible. Whereas an account manager, their role is to advocate for the client and look for opportunities to add more value Mm -hmm. on the client's behalf. Right now, our project manager, Bina, really has to play a little bit of both roles. So she runs our project meetings with clients every two weeks. She posts notes and summaries of those meetings. She sends out client reports, which are all things that I think would ideally eventually be owned by a an account manager. And then she would be solely focused on resource management. So sprint planning, project plans, you know, figuring out who's going to work on what, when, and then uncovering issues and working on continually tweaking our processes. So that's sort of our goal for what we want to get to. But I think the mm-hmm. reality is, especially for a lot of small firms, people just have to wear different hats, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I don't think we had enough clarity when we hired her to be super upfront about that. I think we included some of those account manager things in the job description and she had mm-hmm. some experience as an account manager before. So that was cool. For us, it's really helpful to find someone who has a good technical understanding. Mm-hmm. Bina has a solid technical understanding. It's something she's actively working on improving. Like she's taken some courses and that's like one of her learning goals. For you, I assume that would be a nice to have, but because you all don't do quite as much product, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially not as much development, mm-hmm. that probably isn't quite as big a deal. Although certainly having someone who has an understanding of the types of companies you're working with would be helpful. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of, of any other specifics. Yeah. Oh, one of the big things that I think is really helpful, and again, this is probably more account manager, but I think is also important for a project manager is how do they handle conflict? Are they comfortable mm-hmm. saying no, pushing back, raising concerns? Yeah. And are they able to do that in a way that is really healthy and good, whether that's yeah. a healthy conflict within the team, which is ideally what the project manager would be more focused on, or if they're having to fill account manager duties, healthy conflict with a client. Yeah, that's super helpful. Yeah, I think... So, okay, there's two things that you said that kind of like sparked a thing in my head. One, I think one of the problems that I've had in hiring a project manager is it's been hard for me to find project managers with like design agency-esque experience, right? And I also say this with like the fact that we haven't actively started looking in a way where making job posts and stuff, it's really been referral-based and my network being a lot of tech people that are all SWEs and security engineers, the project managers they know are all following like scrum masters and agile people and all coming from Jira. And it's helpful, but we also don't do a lot of development in-house besides websites. Like we've never, okay, I don't want to say never because we have, but we're trying to stay away from like going down the, have a giant dev team, build new products, uh, the current (laughs) method. But it's been hard to find Project managers with a lot of marketing agency experience and design agency experience, like, yeah. So we'll see. I think maybe the answer there is training and just being willing to invest in someone who's who we think will be able to learn our processes and stuff. So Yes, but at the same time, and I guess it might depend on what your salary is. Like if your salary is kind of below mm-hmm. market rates, then you might mm-hmm. have to train someone a little yeah. bit more and just yeah, accept yeah. that. 
I will say more and more, I am coming to the belief that I want to work really hard to find someone who requires a little less training because I'm realizing that Austin and I are spread so thin. We don't always have the time to give them a lot of really dedicated training at this moment. For sure. So easier said than done. Yeah. 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 Check out Bureau of Digital. There's Mm -hmm. also a group called the Digital like digitalprojectmanager.com or something, DPM. It's like a blog, but they have a Slack group that I don't know how active it is. For this kind of role, I would look more in like agency spaces. So Bureau of Digital is like an agency place, freelancer groups. Yeah. Yeah. Project management specific groups. Those kinds of communities, I think, are where you will find people like this add for sure. I feel like someone who has experience at like an advertising agency would be really good for you because I think you all sort of approach things with a similar mm-hmm. mindset to an advertising mm-hmm. agency with like that very like creative brand focused mindset. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Those are good. I will definitely check those out. So thank you. How about you? How's work? How's everything going? Works pretty good. I feel like I'm having a good week. Nice. So you inadvertently led to me so my small effort for like the past couple of weeks has been to try to build some relationships with a couple of VCs in the security industry. Yes. And you inadvertently helped me do that in a huge way. Okay. So you shared the security funded newsletter with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which okay. I love. Uh-huh. Um, and so I reached out to Mike, yep. who writes it. Shout out Mike Privet. Yep. He just bought a t-shirt from us. Too. Nice. So shout out Mike. <laughs> Is that... Are there laws against me saying that? No. Anyway, shout out, Mike. Shout out Mike. <laughs> I don't think he'll care. <laughs> yeah, so mm-hmm. met up with him and just chatted content and indie yeah. hackers. I didn't realize you and him met through indie hackers. Is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. I don't remember how we met. It was like this like follow for follow thing or something like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, he like randomly followed I me. Mean, it's like, oh. You do security. But yeah, keep going. Indie Hackers is such a cool community. I've met one of my now best friends who I've never met in person, but we've become Mm -hmm. online friends there. Mm -hmm. Rami, who lives in London. Ah, nice. Yeah, it's like this community that I feel like is still not very widely known. Yeah. Unless you happen to follow a bunch of indie bootstrap startups. Anyway, tangent. Hung out with Mike, chatted with him a little bit, and just mentioned that I was trying to get connected with more VCs. He's now made introductions to two... VCs and I think is making an introduction to a third. Nice. And so I had one of those calls yesterday and have another one lined up tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so far they've been they've gone really well. I also reached out on my own to Ron Gula yep. based on your recommendation. Yep. And he, he was funny. I messaged him and was like, hey, would you be up for like a virtual coffee, something like that? And he was like, Yeah, yeah don't really want to meet, but feel free to send me a deck. <laughs> so I was like, okay, cool, gotta make a deck. So I went yeah. and made a deck. And send it to him. But I think it that is actually going to be really helpful because I feel yeah. like VCs think and communicate in decks. <laughs> yeah. So now I've got that to send to anyone else that we talk to. And it is a really easy thing for them to then pass on to their nice. portfolio companies. So nice. yeah, finally making some progress there and hope have already seen a couple of leads come through. So hope mm-hmm. that works and that we can be valuable and helpful. And now just trying nice. to think about how to deepen that relationship and make it make sure we're being helpful to them. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm glad. So last two weeks ago, your small effort was to reach out to VCs and you told me to ping you if you didn't. And I didn't have to because you told me that you <laughs> did reach out. So that was cool. Your deck looks really awesome. Thanks. It was super succinct. Like I saw it. I was like, shit, we should go make a deck. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. And I'm glad that is bringing you leads. See, I told you the strategy would work. I told you. You were right. Yeah. 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 
No, that's awesome. And yeah, shout out to Mike. Yeah, just what genuinely a, a one cool, of the nicest, like cool most person. helpful people yeah. in the world. <laughs> For sure. Anyway, yeah, no, that's good. I know that you are currently talking to someone because of that VC connection. How many are you able to share? How many leads? Like, how effective was that strategy for you? So, don't know yet because I've only okay. had one conversation. I knew gotcha. one person came to us specifically through Ron. Ron cool. shared the deck that we created with his portfolio, mm-hmm. and one person at least reached out. Cool. The same day that they reached out, I had another security firm reach out nice. and schedule something through the little widget on our website. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to them on Friday. I cool. don't think they're in Ron's portfolio, but it's possible that he was talking to them. So I'll be curious to see how cool. they found us. And then I just had the first conversation with somebody that Mike connected me to yesterday. Nice. The folks over at ForgePoint Capital seem to be doing nice. some really cool stuff. And then hopefully talking to someone at Paladin tomorrow. So cool. Like cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, the Paladin people. Reach out to them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The Paladin people are really cool. I think they're definitely one of the VCs that are on the forefront of companies. Cool. Yeah. Really glad to hear that. Yeah. I liked talking to ForgePoint. I was impressed. Mm -hmm. I imagine most VCs have got to be headed this way, but I know I've been following VC world outside of security for a while and Mm -hmm. felt like VCs were very stubbornly holding on to geographic based investments. Yeah. And it seems like at least talking to ForgePoint, they seem to have a much more remote open mind to where they invest, which I think is really smart and is the way of the future and I think is going to be necessary. Mm -hmm. I think a couple of the other folks are probably a little bit more DC based just because there Mm -hmm. is so much in DC. And so that can still work for sure. Not saying that it's Mm -hmm. a bad strategy, but I was just impressed that ForgePoint was already thinking of remote investing because I think that's a smart move. Yeah, absolutely. I think the pandemic has kind of accelerated that so that's cool for sure nice yeah i've also been thinking a little bit about when to work with a client who's not in our niche Mm, so we have sort of a follow-on project like we did a design prototype for someone who was not in security back in the spring and they've been working on raising funding and we're talking to them about now building out their mvp Mm -hmm. and it's got me thinking about just how to weigh the pros and cons of working with someone who is outside of your niche and so doesn't necessarily bring the value of like deepening your expertise or giving you another like really strong portfolio project and figuring out like what are the things that we should consider and when should we start trying to say no to those opportunities. Mm -hmm. For this opportunity in particular, we really just love the team. The founder Mm -hmm. is a a business coach and so he's a really Mm -hmm. strong communicator and a really just kind, empathetic, patient person who knows how things work and doesn't like has his own stuff sorted out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. he's been really good to work with so far. And so, you know, we're excited to work with them for, I think that reason, as much as anything, we know they will be an enjoyable client to work with. Mm-hmm. And so I think we're willing to make the trade-off, the niche trade-off for that reason. Part of it, I think, comes down to, do we have availability and are we mm-hmm. overrun with leads? If so, we're probably mm-hmm. going to be pickier. If not, we need right. to run the business and keep the lights on. Right. But I was trying to think of like what the other trade-offs are and just, mm-hmm. yeah, when we should consider, you know, taking on a project outside of 
security. Yeah. So we've done that too. And we also, we have one client that is not in security. They're just a, it's run by a friend and, and a couple. Actually, he was my first boss. Oh, cool. Back when I was a finance intern. Yeah. <laughs> so we go way back and he's kind of, he serves as a, so like a business coach for us. And Is this the food him. truck? This is not the food truck. Uh, that was a long time ago. Yeah, wow, yeah. That I was forgot. a long time. That was a long time ago. That was a quick like, that was like a, okay, we can get this done really fast. And and it's a, you know, non non insignificant amount of money because we just started our company and we're trying to get comments. No, this is actually, it's really cool. They, it's called Home Repair Lab. Shout out to Chris and Mindy. They're two awesome people in North Carolina who are opening up this in-person workshop where you can go and learn how to make improvements to your home. Oh, I love and that. And also just become, the mission is to become an independent homeowner so that when you call a contractor and the contractor like you won't be worried that the contractor will screw you over, right? That you know what goes into something, what's actually behind the wall of your home. Like, and it's awesome because like, I think home buying has increased so much in, especially with younger people. And I've seen startups that are more on the digital aspect of like a dad as a service type of thing where you can get like, and I think it's cool, right? I think it's, you get to go in and actually like figure out like how plumbing works and all that. And even if you don't want to be the one doing it, at least you are empowered in knowing how all of it works. Super cool. And is it a for-profit or a non-profit model? It's a for-profit model. Cool. It's a for-profit model. They're trying to basically build like a cultural community center in Durham, which is super cool, um, especially since that place is, that area from what I hear is... Yeah, it's a neat place. Yeah, no, it's cool. And I relate a lot to it because my dad is an HVAC contractor and runs his own HVAC contracting thing. And the amount of like knowledge I've learned about house things has helped a lot impress girls when I was in college I could <laughs> fix like a sink right so anyway they're really cool they're our only niche client and I will say it is definitely a distraction sometimes and I feel bad if I like prioritize a security client thankfully super kind about turnaround time and, and whatnot so anyway going back to your situation is this client tech related or is it complete like how far away is this from your niche because ours is miles away <laughs> right ours is on the other end of the earth away so yeah so it's still definitely tech related mm -hmm. it's a consumer facing product cool which makes it i mean there's pretty big differences between b2b product yeah. strategy and consumer facing product strategy although i think they would sort of say they're almost like they're consumer facing but they're like entrepreneur facing so I see. Sort Prosumer. of businessy consumers. Gotcha. And yeah, it's a digital product. So mm -hmm. still fits within what we do. And I think for us, it'll, we just, again, we will take it on because we like the company and we believe in the people. And mm -hmm. so I think it's worth the sort of trade offs and having another company that's not directly in our mm -hmm. sweet spot. Mm -hmm. So I do think it's helpful, actually. Like as much as it's a distraction, I think a lot of the value Ms. Grins has brought to the table to clients is also having an outside perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think like keeping things fresh. And also it's motivating for the team to have exactly. something a little different to work on every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. We've definitely leaned on that outside perspective as part of our value prop. Yeah. Because if we would be lying if we said we were the security experts. We have security mm -hmm. knowledge and we have been actively working on deepening that knowledge and continuing to mm -hmm. grow it. We really love this industry yeah. and it fits really well with our skill set. But yeah. 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 No, I think crit brings a lot of SaaS experience to the table. And honestly, security could really benefit from <laughs> I think the angle that you have with like product led growth like is really helpful with 
especially a lot of the newer founders in security who are very anti-sales. And I don't know how much I agree with that personally, but who are very anti-sales. And I think you bringing that to the table definitely does help. Like at Great Noise, for example. But on that topic, yeah, one thing we want to get a little bit more involved in is data analytics, specifically yeah. around product-led growth and customer mm-hmm. insights. So mm-hmm. you know, we've often worked with very early stage companies and I honestly yeah. think it's kind of a mistake to focus on product analytics too soon mm-hmm. because frankly, like the numbers aren't, you don't have enough data yeah. for the numbers to be statistically relevant. So yeah. you're looking at numbers and those numbers can tell you things, but they can also be misleading. Mm-hmm. And it's extra work to set up a strong analytics pipeline and all of that. Mm -hmm. But as our companies, the companies we work with start to mature, you know, we're now working with more like seed and series A stage Mm -hmm. companies. Mm -hmm. Getting involved in that product analytics and process, I think is going to be really critical for us to be able to do our jobs well. I think you make a mistake if you separate design and engineering from some of those analytics because you should be sort of collaborating with the people setting the strategy on the team and looking at that data together and yeah, I really want to figure out how to get a little bit more insight into customer support requests that our clients are seeing as well, nice. because I think that's one of the best sources of yeah. product data and user data. Yeah. So I don't know exactly what this looks like yet. I think for new clients, mm-hmm. it means trying to help them set up some analytics tools and mm-hmm. asking for that stuff in the initial discovery process so we can start setting the expectation that, hey, we're going to be looking at this mm-hmm. in the way distant future. I would love to have a dedicated product manager or strategist on the team mm-hmm. whose job is mm-hmm. just to like across all companies spend yeah. time looking for insights and then surfacing mm-hmm. them to the the team. Yeah. I'm not sure what the interim looks like, but yeah. Um it is really funny that you say that because we are currently going through a we call it a UX audit, but it's a little bit more comprehensive than that right now. Mm-hmm. And we're going through that with a open source company. And one of the challenges we had is like, there's so many open source deployments, but there's no there's no standard analytics there. There's no full story. There's no hot jar. And we are pulling from a lot of alternative aspects, customer support tickets being one of them, right? Mm-hmm. Talking a lot to their customer success people and also even like their sales people in terms of, and their training staff. Like we're looking at so many alternative aspects and that is servicing a lot of interesting things that, the product team hasn't maybe thought of before or just like new ideas that is helping us make a lot more decisions. So yeah, that's cool. Same page. Yeah. I think that stuff is super valuable too. Like I don't want us to become so analytics focused that we're just looking at data because I think that's a bad way to do product strategy and product development. Yeah. Data can be misleading. It can be incomplete. Yeah. We like to say, oh, we're building digital products so we can track everything. And the reality is people block trackers, trackers Mm -hmm. sort of report different things sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's all kind of imperfect. Just talk to any marketer about how hard marketing attribution is. (laughs) So I have a new thing to bring up. I have some new thoughts. This will be like a totally different episode where I'll dive deeper into this. But new hot take. Attribution and marketing is actually very not useful. And I think that too much of marketing is built around attribution. And I think I'm going to get so much hate for this. I think a well-executed brand is the same thing as good demand generation and is way more important than marketing attribution. And I think that when you have a well-executed brand where you do things like 
where you invest more into content, you invest more into organic media is more effective than the amount of paid media that I'm seeing. And I think that has been something that thought has been something that's resonated with a lot of our clients in terms of paid media not working because we know that hackers block advertisements and all other cookie trackers. Regardless, I still think that. But to a be lot fair, are they selling to hackers or are they selling to CISOs and do CISOs block ads? That's true. I think that I bring up that when the conversation with the client is selling to hackers and it is a prosumer tool. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And I think there are definitely paid advertising things that work with CISOs, especially things like geofencing, especially like back when RSA was a thing and in-person things. I think like you could geofence a certain block and target anyone walking in and out of the Moscone oh, Center. So I do think that's useful. And I think there are like certain things you could do. I also just learned that like the term for this strategy where you buy, like it's buying paid ads against like your competitors because your competitors are not buying ads for anyone like what's a good example of this like i don't know if you're smaller brand b and you want to target you're going up against larger brand a brand a's might not be buying ads against anyone looking up brand a's name on google oh, so yeah. you just buy brand a and then uh, yeah so that's so, so called conquesting from or so i've learned it's one of those things that like really pisses founders off i kind of yeah. see it as fair game mm-hmm It's one of those things where it's like when you're doing that, you're starting to drift into caring too much about your competition and not enough about your users and the value you're providing. But it's also like it's fair game. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, to go back to the previous topic, I think that we need to stop thinking and building marketing programs and campaigns around attribution because there's so much more that happens, especially in cybersecurity, in trust groups that you can't get attribution in, right? You can't really get attribution on podcasts. You can't really get attributions on Slack groups. I mean, yeah, there are like brand listening and brand monitoring things, but frankly, there's so much more that we can invest in dark social and dark media that would bring us a lot more just return on investment than caring about specific attribution things. And at the end of the day, you can always just on your lead forms have like, how did you hear about us? And that works actually pretty well from what we're seeing. Anyway, that's my rant. I fully agree. Still trying to formulate this into like a much more data-backed think piece type of thing. And I'll tell you about it when I do have that. But yeah, that's my two cents. From what I've seen, it's extra true of agencies as well. Sometimes with products, paid advertising can be an effective model because Mm -hmm. the trust level required to buy is lower. But that's also Mm -hmm. typically more for smaller products, right? Mm -hmm. Like smaller tier, pricing tier products. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With agencies and with like kind of enterprise businesses, you need so much trust Mm -hmm. before the sale actually happens that it's really hard. Yeah. I have seen some people who have made paid advertising work in agency businesses, I think they're largely going after like kind of the mass, the spray and pray approach. Like they're going after Mm. the, I don't want to say bottom of the barrel, but like the mom and pop style businesses that are just like Mm -hmm. going into Google and typing Mm -hmm. marketing agency near me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that stuff can work. And I imagine paid advertising can be helpful as part of a larger campaign to like drive people to webinars, drive people to newsletters, drive people to podcasts. Right can be helpful in that way to just grow your awareness. Mm -hmm. But there are other ways to do that as well. For sure. Anyway. What are your small efforts for the next week, Sean? It is to delegate a piece of advice that I got from a long trusted mentor and, and friend is 
what was the cold hard truth of, hey, if your clients are coming to you and saying, I want to work with Sean, you are not running your company correctly. They should be saying, I want to work with miscreants. And a large part of that effort is starting to delegate a little bit more in terms of account management, delegating a little bit more, giving some people at Miss Greens a little bit more responsibility in working with clients and being a little bit more client-facing. And they're super excited to do it and they're all handling it like champs, which is cool. But yeah, to continue to delegate some of that more client-facing role. What's the smallest possible version of that? What's the smallest version of delegating more? What is the smallest possible version of that? The smallest possible version of that is removing a... So I used to, on some invoices with larger clients, say, you get up to exactly this much time a week with me specifically. And it's helped close deals because they come to us and it's like, oh, I want to work with Sean, right? I have removed that from proposals and statement of works. And it is a breath of fresh air when I don't promise like eight hours of my week to someone because I, I literally felt like I had that time back when I sent an invoice. Yeah. But, oh, sorry, a proposal. And so. you could still like promise a senior yeah. strategist or a senior designer or yeah. something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's helpful. No, absolutely. I promise other people's time because <laughs> I pay for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you do um, it again? I don't like this therapy. I didn't say it. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I already started to. I think it's just reminding myself to continue to do that mm-hmm. and being okay with like letting go of some larger client-facing roles. And I think every single time I've done that, it's paid off tremendously. And like even just the fact that we're doing this in the middle of the workday because... I can go trust someone to be working on like a client call. So yeah, that's pretty much it. What about you? Yeah, real quick on that note, I would say we're at the stage now where at least people don't say, oh, I want Andrew to do this. Yeah. But they do still, like I was just talking to a client the other day. Michael Mm -hmm. is one of our newest hires who's been absolutely Mm -hmm. amazing. He's one of our senior engineer on the team. Yeah. And I was talking to a client about a retainer and he was like, yeah, it would be great if we could get like most of Michael's time. And so part of me wonders if, will ever be fully away from that where people go mm-hmm. think of us as crit and not as the people I'm working with at crit are Michael yeah. and Bina and yeah. Austin and yeah but progress not perfection right yeah but what is your small effort of the week yeah so I'll be quick mm-hmm. so I got some advice from my therapist I yeah often struggle to get started on blog posts and even more when it comes to like posting on social media, I've been trying to post more regularly on LinkedIn and mm-hmm. on Twitter mm-hmm. and post insightful, helpful things. And so he was like, you got to just stop thinking. You got to figure out how to like reduce the amount that you have to think about these things so that you just do them. So his advice was to create some templates and like a clearly defined process for how I do different types of content so that it's less of like, I've got to sit here and be creative and think about this and more of just like, boom, boom, plug in, post. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So kind of like playbooks yeah. that you have for your team, yep. but for yourself. Yep. Nice. So nice. I'm going to try to create at least one template for a how I can create good content for LinkedIn. Yeah. Nice. I like that. I'm going to go steal that for myself. I won't make that my small effort, but that is a good thing to think about. We are definitely trying to make things into playbooks so cool i like it i'll check in with you on that next time sounds great cool have a good day sean yeah you too bye bye you just listened to small efforts a podcast collaboration between crit and miscreants hosted by sean sun and andrew askins 
Sean is a hacker turned designer and the founder of Miscreants, a creative agency building memorable brand and product experiences for cybersecurity ventures. Andrew is an engineer turned CEO and the founder of Crit, a product design agency that helps cybersecurity founders create better products. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate us on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can check us out at smalleffortspod.com. Thanks for listening. See you next episode.